the moments in life where you are lonely are the moments where you're growing the most mm. because what comes after loneliness mm -hmm. is everything you've ever wanted. Once you can sit in your own discomfort of being alone, mm. you can do absolutely anything. If I could give you one message that could dramatically shift the direction of your life, I would tell you to visualize a world in which there was no judgment for the decisions you've made in the past in which you weren't paralyzed by fear and you could make decisions that were in alignment with the life you desire to live. One in which you could speak only the truth of what exists on your heart. I would tell you to look at the life you're living now and reflect deeply on what you really wish could change. And then have you look down at the life you just created and the life you're living now. And I get real close and I'd look you in the eye. That type of look that says, this is too important to let pass. Your life is too important to let pass. And I'd lean in and with your full attention on me and those two life paths, I'd say, you choose. Welcome to the You Choose podcast. I'm your host, Billy Garson Jr. I'm a former Division I and professional athlete turned men's mental health advocate. I'm a transformation coach, public speaker, and I'm the proud founder of the You Choose movement, which exists to equip young men with the tools and techniques to choose a life that is in alignment with their highest self. It is my greatest honor and privilege to be with you today, the young man who is in a period of great transition in his life, who's asking questions and seeking answers. And on this podcast, through a series of interviews with professional athletes, men's coaches, and self-help gurus, we aim to educate, equip, and inspire you to bridge the gap between where you are and where you aspire to be. So listen deeply and find yourself in the stories of those who've sat in your shoes and now walk in the areas in which you wish to walk. To be yourself in a world that is constantly trying to make you something else is the greatest accomplishment. Today I'm sat across from a powerful young woman who has been greatly rewarded for doing exactly that. 19 years old, over 700,000 followers across social media, a fashion mogul and an owner of a lip gloss company, our guest today is a shining example of aligning with your truth and following through, remaining tunnel visioned and achieving your dreams despite societal norms and noise from every single angle attempting to stop you in your tracks. But that's just the external successes. You see the followers, the views, the beauty and the lifestyle. But what you don't often see is the journey, the trials and tribulations, the deep inner work and the mental and emotional strength that gets fortified behind the scenes to live out a mission when the world seems to test you at every turn. Today, we'll uncover the journey of a woman who has remained true to her moral compass, hear the vulnerable truths of her lived experience, get radically honest about identity, loneliness and isolation and dive deep into the topics of masculinity, confidence and courage in the pursuit of a woman from the perspective of a woman. Stick around for a powerful conversation and listen deeply, man. You don't want to miss this one. So without further ado, the first woman to appear on the newly named You Choose podcast, Georgie Kabursi, welcome to the show. That was the most beautiful intro that I've ever heard. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. 
Well, on top of this, I know I shared with you off the air, you're also the first guest that we've ever had in person. So How exciting. Yeah. Back to normal. Back to normal. Back to normal. Eh? Pretty exciting for me as well. It took us ages, guys, just to let you know. It took us about three hours behind the scenes to set up everything. I was clueless. So um, as I said to you off air, I could take this conversation in a million different directions. And my plan was to tunnel it initially into you know, focus on the typical things that would be obvious, your TikTok career and right. and how you've blown up and all of that sort of stuff. But I decided, as I shared with you, I want to I want to allow this conversation to flow as it does. I think I want to give value to the audience and I also wanna I'm fascinated by you and your story. And so Thank I wanna you. hear more about that. And so Thank you. where I want to start today is on the topic of confidence. You know, there's masked confidence and there's true confidence. There's an energy about being true and authentic to you. And I see that in you, even just standing here. And I wasn't going to really ask this question until I stood in front of you to know if it was mass confidence or real. And I see that energy shining from you. So I want to know, first and foremost, was it always that way? And what is the work that it took to get to that place you are now? Well, thank you for asking that question. Um, I grew up I would like to say as a confident person. Mm. Um, but over time, as I grew my social media presence, I lost it for mm. a long time. And it was more of me trying to convince myself that it was still there, mm. that I think that was more deep rooted in the problem. Um, so for the past year, I definitely struggled with having confidence. Um, being on social media, you present yourself in whatever way you want to. Yeah. And I think that that's also hard to show other people that it's not always what it seems. So I definitely have been getting it back. I think it's a work in progress and everyone in their life is gonna go through times where they're confident and when they're not confident, yeah. that's just life and that's just normal. No girl is gonna be confident for her 90 year lifespan. Yeah. So it's a work in progress, but um, it comes from within and it comes from the energy and it comes from your intentions. Yeah. So. That's Where do you think saying. it went? I don't know. Um, I think that I lost it when I lost myself in trying to be something I wasn't because of mm-hmm. the norms of social media and the whole mentality of what you should be and what you should look mm-hmm. like. And if you don't dress like this, you're not cool. Mm-hmm. And if you don't talk like this, you're not cool. Mm-hmm. Um And so I think that that was really hard. And then as you grow and get through that phase, you kind of realize who you are and you, Mm -hmm. um, you kind of like, what's the word? You gain an audience that's so true to you versus people who don't know who the real you is. Yeah. Was that more in the process of building your social media following that you lost it? Was it the beginning phases or would you say it's more been since you've started to gain a mass audience? In the beginning, it was... I was having fun with it. I was confident. I loved what I was doing. And as it got more serious, as it turned into more of a career, Mm. that's when I definitely lost it because I was trying to keep up with everybody else. Mm. And I thought I had to change to fit in again. Um, And as more people started gravitating towards the apps, TikTok or Instagram or whatnot, um, it became more competitive, which I love, but um, it's also hard to not compare yourself to other people. Mm. So it was kind of in in the middle, I would say. What were you molding to? Like, what is that? I love the topic of identity. And I think it's a place that I want to take this early part of the conversation. When you say you were molding to fit into what was deemed society 
acceptable by society? What, what will you mold into? More into terms of, let's say, for example, on TikTok, as a girl who has a social media presence, um, there's girls who fit the cool girl mm. aesthetic. There's girls who are more nature-based, whatever mm. it may be. Yeah. And I felt like I had to fit into one to be successful. And over time, you kind of realize that that's not how it works. Mm. And you have to know who you are and be so confident in who you are and what you want because everyone wants different things. And that's when you're going to find where you do belong, yeah. not by being something you're not. You're just going to end up in the wrong place. Yeah. I so. love that. I think for me, for a long time, I was... There's a typical masculine archetype identity that you try to fit into. And for me, it was portraying that I was strong, portraying that I was a womanizer, portraying a, uh, the typical masculine archetype. And I was trying to fit into that so hard because deep down I believed I was not that. I was the opposite of that. Right. I'm curious for you, like I can speak for men, but I can't speak from your lived experience. Like what was the mold you were trying to fit into? I don't know if it's something specific, but I know that it was, I was trying to fit into an area where I would be accepted by everybody mm. that watched me. Mm. And I think the most important thing to take away from that is that n no one and not every single person is gonna like you. Mm. And you're not gonna find the right people if you're trying to mold into something that you're not, mm. that society wants you to be. Mm. So when I realized that as long as I am being who I am, I'm going to attract the right people and I don't need to mold into anything but myself, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, makes 100% sense. It's easier said than done. 100%. Easier said it's than done. very hard. Yeah, yeah, easier said than done. And even as I have done a lot of this work and don't have the quite the presence as you online, but I do have the reputation to hold, I feel like, for certain men. Right? And I've felt this, and I don't know if you feel this as well. Once you create a perception, you feel like you have to live up to that perception. And that's where it becomes a lot more difficult to share the other parts of you that you know exist. So it's very difficult on social media to share all of you in a snippet. 100%. You know? and from what I've seen of you, you've done a wonderful job of doing that. Thank you. What are the areas that you're... as somebody in this space, as an influencer in this space, what are the areas that you're trying to really touch on for the audience that you, that you preach to? I think as I've gotten older, I really want to touch on the areas that I'm scared to talk mm. about, the areas that I'm not as strong in, mm. because if people look at me for all the things that I feel proud of and I'm the best at, then they're not going to get the whole, the whole version of me. And I think that what really helps people, especially my audience and my supporters, is showing those vulnerable pieces of who mm. you are, showing what you struggle with, mm. showing the bad parts. Um, that's definitely a lesson I learned recently because mm. I see when I watch people and I see that there's nothing vulnerable that they're sharing, it's kind of like, but I want to know more of you because yeah. I want to relate to you. And I, people want to have someone to look up to that can teach them things, mm. not just what to wear or how to look good or how yeah. to do your hair. Yeah. So I think it's a mix of everything. I think when you're an influencer in that space as well, there's a, you obviously hold a lot of power, right? Like you said there, people look up to you and your every word and every move in many ways 
yeah. moves worlds for people. You yeah. know? So you said some of those vulnerable truths and some of the things that you're maybe scared to talk about. We're going to go deep here. Go ahead. What are they? Um, the first thing is I hadn't posted online and I think it was a month or two months mm. and I didn't share why. And my dad had gotten sick and to me, family is the number one thing. Yeah. Um, so I was very distraught dealing with my own demons at that time. And I didn't share that. People just kind of thought that I just disappeared and stopped posting um, and I, after I did finally post something about it, I got so many comments and messages of people saying that they were going through the same thing and mm. how did you get through it? And how are you just even asking, how are you? And to me, that was like, I wish I shared more of what I was going through at that time, because when you have an audience, you don't realize how many people could use your help. Mm. And I was looking at myself as one out of many yeah. in the whole world not really thinking like I have an influence where I could be helping other people going through this. Cause I was looking for someone like that, not realizing that I could have been that. Wow. I think we, I don't know if you feel this, but one of the things that I feel every time I put out a piece of content is, am I talking too much about myself? Like about my life? Like do people really care that much? You know, and yeah. that's the one thing more so than the fear that has probably held me back from sharing a lot is, am I complaining? Am I whining? Am I going to get hate for just talking about my life when in reality I live in one of the nicest places in the world and have a beautiful yeah. life, you know? Yeah. Touch on that. That is a great question because it's something that was hard for me to put into words. So I'm glad that you did. Every time I film a video, I spend about an hour before. What are people going to think about this? Is this too showy? Is this too this? Are they going to judge me for this? Am I saying something wrong? And half the time I won't even post what I want to post. And people say, you know, well, you're not filming these videos. And it's, and it's really, you know, I am filming them. Mm. But you judge yourself harder than anyone else is going to judge you. So I completely get that. Um, even when I posted the one video about my dad... I was so scared because I was like, people are going to think this is a cry for attention, for sympathy, when really I was just trying to share what I was going through to show that I'm a human, just like every single one of you going through things that every single one of you is going through. Yeah. So once you kind of get over that fear that people are going to judge you no matter what you post, hmm. then you just kind of realize hmm. you just have to post, right? Yeah, yeah, which I'm sure for most people gets heightened as they grow in following. However, I know doing a little bit of my research into this podcast, the judgment seemed to be harsh even when you first started on TikTok from those closest to you yeah. in many ways. And so what I admire greatly is, and I shared this in the intro, when the world is trying to force you into a box to be somebody else, that early stage is the toughest moment yeah. to remain true and to follow through. And you could have easily stopped and not been where you are today. Before you even share that courage and perseverance to follow through, I want to hear the story. I want to hear how that went down and that whole process. Of starting? Yeah. Um, starting on social media, 
I'm sure a lot of people relate to this story who have started. Um, TikTok was very up and coming, like Vine or whatever other app. Um, so I got on with my friends and I had no idea that there were people who like had careers out of TikTok. I thought everyone was just having fun with it. And I started growing slowly as I kept posting. Um, and my friends and everyone were, they were liking it. They were supporting it. Everyone yeah. obviously was like, this is so cringy and weird. <laughs> um, yeah. And then my school for the, this was the first time pe like people were noticing my school put me on like, it's called Mav Nation. It was like the school news video that everyone watched mm. every Monday and they had interviewed me on it. And I remember I kind of felt a little bit excited. Yeah. And all my friends were kind of like, oh my God, I would be so embarrassed. Like, that's mm. so weird. And that was kind of my first moment being like, mm, should I be excited? Yeah. yeah. Is this really weird? Yeah. And that's what first made me start doubting myself. Mm. Um, and then, you know, I kept posting and it grew into something amazing, which I love. And even to this day, my closest friends will still nitpick will still mm. critique, will still still say this is weird. Mm. Um, it's supportive, but from afar, if that makes sense. And I think when you do this kind of work, you have to be very careful of those you surround yourself with. Um, Can we dive into that? Yes. I think one of the most difficult things when you evolve as a human, not only in the external success that you've obviously had, but knowing glimpses at the internal work that you've done and you evolve into this human being with a level of awareness that maybe goes beyond what the people that were once in your life can meet you at. Yeah. That process of loneliness and isolation um, is real. Yeah. And it's deep. And for me, for a long time, as I began to do this work, not in an egotistical way that I'm better or anything along those lines, but a mentor of mine shared with me shared, when you commit to a journey of personal growth, you move through people faster than anything and you have to be willing to let them go. And the problem for me that was keeping me was not my growth. It was that I was continuing to surround myself with the people in my life that I didn't even enjoy, enjoy being around solely because I was in fear of sitting in the space between finding my people and being alone. And I want you to touch on that because I know in this experience, that journey for you is real. So I want to hear from your perspective. I relate to that on a very deep level because I kept some friends around for a very long time because I felt that if I didn't have them, I would be judged 10 times more mm. because I know they would turn around and do that. I felt that I didn't want to be alone in a place where I was already lonely. Mm. Um, but when you are working towards a goal to grow and to be successful, it's going to be lonely. And my parents mm. always told me that. Sometimes you just have to let go of people and sometimes yeah. you outgrow people. And as an example, I had one friend um, and I am just doing me. I'm mm. growing, I'm working, yeah. I'm trying to be the best that I can. And she had came to me and said, you know, you really make me feel like I'm just not good enough around you. And I looked at that 
at first as something where I wanted to automatically apologize. Mm. And then I stepped back and I said, why is someone going to make me apologize when I am just growing? And that would have just held me back to stay at a level that I didn't want to be at. And people will say that sounds self-conceited and you sound like you think you're better than everyone else. Mm. And in reality, I am a human, like every single person. I am, we are all on one level and yeah. one playing field. Yeah. I'm just at a place where I have an opportunity to, to move up in my career. Mm-hmm. And I just felt that if someone was able to say that to me, then that was my kind of <laughs> red flag saying, yeah. I need to be alone. And as yeah. soon as I was alone, I felt so much inner peace and I felt so much more confidence, if that makes sense. It's funny how we get confused in society between the dynamic of selfish and self-love. And I think hearing from you, that was the highest form of self-love was to say, no, I don't have anything to apologize for here. And to remain true, again, true to yourself. I think so often we go through these methods of self-sabotage. I was speaking to a client of mine before, and it's the biggest root of his entire world consistently falling apart is that he will self-sabotage and attempt to please others and he's killing himself at every single turn. And I admire that greatly because I know how tough it is. And I don't know how tough it is at the level that you've probably had to deal with it. It's tough because like you just said, they, the people around you will hold you back. It was kind of like I couldn't be myself and I felt like I couldn't share things I was excited about because they would think that I was just trying to show Mm. off. Mm. And I just realized I outgrew. Mm. I outgrew that. You know, I wanted to be around people who would applaud me for things and Mm. say, I'm so happy you're talking to me about that. Let me Mm. share what I'm doing. And I would say, I'm so happy for you too. And it takes a long time to be able to be yourself and make your own decisions because I had two friends at the end and I was not myself and I was trying to do what pleased them and what they thought would be best for me because I thought if I lost them again, I would have nothing in reality. I was ready for that and I just couldn't do it. And that's no offense to anyone. It's just, it's just life. When you began to sat, sat, when you began to sit in the discomfort of that, I know the hardest part for me when leaving people, and I still deal with this, when leaving people, is being able to sit in the discomfort when the loneliness and the, I guess for lack of a better word, the sadness just arrives, right? It's just there. Some days you wake up and it's there, right? Some days in the middle of the day, you just start feeling it. And my tendency to want to revert back to those people in my life was high. And I kept leaving myself. It was like, this was growth going this way. And I kept going, I'll get here. Loneliness appears. No, I'll come back here. I'll go here, 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 here. And I kept bouncing back and forth between that. And I'm curious from your perspective, was it difficult for you to sit in that phase of discomfort where you were just alone? Extremely. I think loneliness is something everyone feels and it's something that is truly terrible. But the moments in life where you are lonely are the moments where you're growing the most Mm. because what comes after loneliness Mm -hmm. is everything you've ever wanted. Once you can sit in your own discomfort of being alone, Mm. you can do absolutely anything. And you have Mm. to do that 
in order to skyrocket in your life. Yeah. It's just something you have to get through. And so once I kind of accepted that and I said, I am fine alone. Yeah. I was like, I want to feel this. Yeah. Everything fell into mm-hmm. place for me. It's funny. They say when you're, if you're lonely, when you're alone, you're in bad company. And learning that evolution, that being by myself is actually a chance to build a relationship with myself, not to sit alone. The level of self-care dramatically shifted. And I'm not, you know what, it'd be weird. I think it typically, it'd be weird to say this as a man when you talk about self-care as a man, right? But it got to the phase and stage for me. And I'm still, like I said, working through this, but where I would sit and I would just stare at myself in the mirror, right? And look at all the parts of myself that I come to despise, that people had made me despise about myself. Acne, uh, nose is too big, ears are too big got to grow your hair out, all of these different things. And leaning into that discomfort, tears at times, looking at yourself and realizing how many parts of yourself you've come to hate. And then recognizing that you would never talk to somebody you love the way you talk to yourself and completely shifting that dynamic. Really changed how I approach this level of self-love and self-care. So I'm curious, I can speak to it as a man, right? I think men can learn a lot from women about how they prioritize self-care. And I would love to hear from your perspective what that journey's been like and where you're at now. I struggled a lot with self-care and self-love and I went through, I think it was a year of just absolutely hating myself and Mm. hating just everything. And I think that once I realized I'm with me forever and I'm going to have to look at myself in the mirror forever makes you realize that you can change to make yourself feel better and you'll look better when you feel better. Mm. And when you start putting time and effort into yourself, that's just when everything kind of changes for you, but it takes so long to get there and it's so hard. So to the people that have done it, I seriously applaud them, (laughs) but it's a process and you can't rush it and you have to go at your own pace, but everyone will get there. And where are you at now in that regard for yourself? Progressing. Progressing. The best answer. Always a work in progress. In the process. In the process. In the process. And what has changed specifically? Like self-care, what do you love doing alone? What have you come to love about spending time with yourself? I've always loved my alone time. I seriously... I need it every day, like three hours just by myself. (laughs) But I've started to read. Mm. Reading is just like one little materialistic thing that I love to do because it takes you into an alternate reality, whether you're reading nonfiction, self-help books, nonfiction. Um, I love sitting in my own thoughts Mm. because when you sit in your own thoughts, and it's quiet, you can kind of hear everything going on in your head, the good and the bad, and then you can reflect on it and then you can think, okay, this is what I'm really thinking. How can I fix that? Mm -hmm. And I think being alone makes you realize the most important relationship is the relationship with yourself because that's how other people are going to perceive you. To work on how you make yourself feel will directly change to how you make others feel when they're around you, which is important into attracting the right people. So overall, Mm -hmm. it helps with literally everything. Mm -hmm. So Beautiful. I want to flip the script a little bit because as much as sitting in the discomfort 
and being comfortable alone is so needed. Humans, naturally, we need people, right? We need connection. You've got a great relationship with family, so I hear. Yes. I want you to touch on your relationship with your family. And I'd also love to hear, as you have separated from certain people, what have you done, if anything, to build that community for yourself? I think I'm very lucky in that sense. And I'm very grateful. And I feel for those who sometimes don't have that strong knit family. Mm. And I don't know how they do it, but they do. And those are some of the strongest people. So I'm so lucky to have a tight knit family. And I, and I knew, even though I didn't want to let go of people, even though I had my family, I knew I had to. Yeah. And so being able to fall on them and, you know, your family is supposed to never lie to you. And that's what my family is to me, which I love. And they are so honest yeah. and they are so helpful and supportive. And it's just like, I would rather have those four people in my family than a million other people who don't want the best for me, who will tell me things mm. just because I want to hear it mm. and who won't say things that will better me. And so I think that having that has raised my standards for the people I will allow into my life. And, you know, some people will tell me like, your standards are so high for these friendships or these relationships and- As they should be. As they should be, exactly. I mean, everyone's different, but you should always have standards and boundaries. And there are people out there that you will attract, whether it's yeah. in 10 years, in five months, yeah. in a week. And if you don't set those boundaries that are true to yourself, you're gonna be miserable with hmm. people who yeah. don't make you happy. I think it's funny how a lot of the people that share that, you know, your standards are so high. They're also the people that complain about the people they have in their life. And that's the real question that I think so many of us are asking, but not choosing to answer, which is, would you rather be around people that make you unhappy or would you rather have standards as to who you let in your life? I'd rather be alone. Mm. Mm. I, I wouldn't have answered that question that way if you asked me three months ago. Mm. But what's changed is I experience loneliness mm. and I realized that it brought me down to another level of something I don't ever want to feel again and something I made excuses for, the excuses I made for these people. It's just, Touch I- Touch on that, go deeper into that. Into? The excuses you made for these people. I made so many excuses for people. I mean, if you talk to my mom, she would just have hours worth of stories to tell you. Mm. I would come to her, well, but they did this because this, you know, mm. I understand like I can be a lot or my problems mm. are a lot. And my mom would just look at me and she would say, but they're not. Mm. And then I would look at myself and think everything I give to friendships and what I would do. And I would say, but it's okay because like, they're not me and they don't have to do that. And they don't have to, but there are people out there who will do that for you. Yeah. And it was at that moment where I said, I would rather have no one than have people that are going to disappoint me. And it's about not expecting from other people because when you expect so much, you're not going to get it. Mm. When you can be that for yourself and then have everyone else just supporting, that's when you're going to be happy. Mm. Not expecting, but at the same time, knowing what is right for you. Yeah. Right? I think that's such a powerful, powerful, powerful 
Stay it's just society has made you think that that's wrong. Mm. Why do you think you were making excuses for them at the time you were? Because I have been someone who has always had one to two to three friends. Mm. Um, and I thought that if I had let go of those one, two or three friends, then they would turn against me. And people always have a lot to say about me and about my life and especially starting social media, it, yeah. that has become crazy. And so I thought if I kept those people in my life, I would have people that could back me up. Mm. And I was just very scared of letting them go because I was afraid of what people would say. Back you up for what? What, what, what did you need back? What did you feel? What was the perception of what you needed backing up for? What did you need backup for? The way that people would perceive me. Mm. Um, they would perceive me from what they see, mm. not from what they know. And I don't let a lot of people know me. Yeah. And they hear it from those who know me, but maybe didn't want to share a lot of me because there's a lot of people who don't want the best for you. And um, so I was just very scared that, you know, they would go and start talking about this or this or talking about me in a bad way because, oh, I'm not friends with them mm. anymore. Yeah. And I just realized like, I can't go and prove myself to every single person. Yeah. That's just not how life works. So I think that there is a strength, mental and emotional strength that I see in you now that what I'm hearing is was non-existent in those moments. And I think that is a human problem that everybody listening to this can relate to. Feeling like you need people to, as the words you use, back you up because you don't have your own back. Yeah. What were the pivotal shifts for you? Cause I see it now, like there's, I didn't know you back then. In fact, I, for everyone listening, I met her today <laughs> um, about two hours ago, <laughs> but I see it now, right? What were the shifts for you that you can identify as the pivotal shifts that existed in the gap between you not having your back and you cultivating the strength you have now? I feel like you have to come to a point where you lose yourself completely mm -hmm. to get back up and to be like, I got myself because no one else has got my back. And especially when you remove people from your life, you have no choice but to have your own back. Yeah. So when you are at a place where you do lose yourself because of those around you, you just know that it's always going to be better on the other side. Mm. Like if you went backwards, it wouldn't be better. You would yeah. stay in the place where you're so unhappy and you come to a point where you make excuses for people. And then you just realize like, I'm so unhappy. I need to move forward in order to be happy again. And it's, it's really like a mindset thing if I'm being honest. So just realizing if I want to get back up and be happy, I have to have my own back and I have yeah. to do it for myself. Yeah. So, yeah. Who or what helped you see that? Because obviously we have all the answers within, right? And it obviously, sorry, not obviously, it often takes people, books, mentors, guidance in our life to help us see the things that we previously couldn't see. So what or who helped you get to that place? My parents, um, and then my mom sees people the first time she meets them and she's like, they're bad. 
right? Or they're not good for you. But I think just over time of me constantly complaining about people not being what I need or being there for me in the ways I need was her. And she, my mom would just see things and she would just tell me over and over again. But what I really appreciate is her letting me figure it out. And as a, her being a mom, that was probably so hard to watch me have to suffer through all of that. But, you know, people can tell you no or yes, and you're not going to listen until you feel it for yourself. Mm. So it's like hitting rock bottom makes you jump up. Yeah. Um, Your mom seems like, seems like she has a... Intuition, yeah. good intuition. Huge. Really good. Yeah. And then there was also this one, um, let's just say ex-boyfriend mm. Let's just say, what does that mean? Let's just say. Well, I don't really like talking about boys, but (laughs) ex-boyfriend. Well, we're going to go there today. So, (laughs) Um, And he was a great person in terms of like, he was a person I found that was very similar to me. And he would see that with my friends and having someone my age, different than my parents, seeing that too and telling me like, it's not you. Like you can't keep feeling bad. You can't keep making excuses. Also gave me the push being like, I'm not being overly dramatic yeah. or insane. And I think that's important to having someone in your age group, mm. seeing the eye with eyes that you see with. Yeah. So having someone like that tell me that also definitely helped me be like, okay, I'm not completely crazy. Yeah. I think there's so many ways that I could take this, <laughs> this <laughs> next phase. Um, I want to address what you shared. I don't like talking about boys. I think this is a, a great conversation to have. But I want to, first and foremost, I want to go the route of, um, in fact, I've completely lost my train of thought as to where I wanted to go. That's okay. Give me one moment because it's going to come to me. Oh, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Took you one second to get back. Yeah, and we're not even clipping this out, so we'll just leave it in that's the reality. Um, when you, one of the things that I found, have found over the past four years is I got to a place where I was similar to you. I was the people pleaser, right? Um, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that's, um, that's where I was. That's where I was at that time. So I was a people pleaser in the respect that I would do things for other people. And it got to the point where I found a level of self-love that I realized that it wasn't me, like you're sharing there. I realized that it wasn't me. But... That takes a lot of courage to realize it's not you. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And then there's another side to it. It's like the, the two walls, right? I got into this door where I realized it wasn't me, which was a huge leap of courage like you shared. And then when I realized that it wasn't me, I started saying that everything wasn't me. Yeah. And I lost the sense of ownership and responsibility. And because of that, I never got through the next door for a long time. And only really recently as I've started to take responsibility for the things that are mine, apologizing has been one of the most difficult things for me to take ownership of when I've wronged somebody, right? Responsibility for being late to places. I was late today. Really? <laughs> I was late. I today. didn't even notice. Yeah, I was a few minutes late today. But the ability to take ownership of that has been so tough for me. So where do you draw the line? And how have you be, been able to become emotionally and mentally aware enough to know when 
it isn't you and you do need to stand up for yourself versus, you know what, it is me. Um, well, I'll be vulnerable. I dealt deal with that as well. And being that it's some, it was sometimes hard for me to apologize because I started looking at life as everyone's attacking me. And it's a mindset shift where you realize that not everyone is against you. And it's when you start to look at life and say, these are my boundaries, my values, and the way I want to live my life. And when you catch yourself going against that, you just kind of realize like, I was wrong and let me apologize. And the biggest thing for me was when I stopped living being so reactive at situations, I can get angry very easily. And I would, instead of being intentional about the way I would react to a situation, I would just react Mm. and get defensive. Mm. And you kind of have to shift what doesn't happen overnight. And you kind of look and say, well, I can handle this situation with courage saying, look, I messed up and I'm so sorry. And having that person look at you and say, wow, because it doesn't make you any less than someone else to apologize. Because then I would think, and I would say, when I would see someone apologize to me, I would say, wow, I wish I could be like them. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So you, as you get older, you realize that it shows maturity and it shows self-respect to be able to do that. I learned a little while ago, the saying words hold worlds. And the words that we use hold worlds, not only to the world and to others, but to ourselves. And I think you hit the nail on the head in the respect that redefining what courage is changes all of that. Yeah. I think for, I'm going to take this now to the topic of men, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm going to address men first. I think courage, we have defined courage as being strong, right? Uh, We've defined strength as hiding from your emotions and not talking about the things that are going on in your life and not sharing that is emotional, mental strength. And to be strong as a man is to, to avoid that. And when you can redefine what real strength is and you really understand that the reason most of us aren't sharing is because we're in fear. That's what I don't understand is why society will say, well, women can feel these feelings, but if a man feels feelings then that means he is weak. Mm. And I'm just, it's hard because we're all human beings. Mm. And it's kind of like you're singling out men saying they're not allowed to have feelings Mm. or feel like this. Mm. And it just really doesn't make sense to me. So when I see men who are so in tune with emotions and feelings, it's amazing Mm. because it means you're not letting society take over your life. Yeah, yeah. I love this conversation. And the reason I love it so much is because it's a very delicate line right now that I feel like I'm dancing in this world yeah. of what can I say and what can I say without being seen as, uh, I guess you could say selfish. Um, I guess you could say uh, lacking awareness to what's going on in the world surrounding the rise of femininity. Um which I'm absolutely in in support of. But I also believe that in many ways, like you shared there, I believe it's coming with the suppression of men. 
Um, I just want to hear your take on that and then we'll dive into this conversation. To me, every human being is equal, Mm. but I don't look at someone as being stronger or weaker or more selfish or not based on their emotions Mm. because I think that every single person has emotions and should Mm. be able to share those Mm. with no judgment. Um, And I get how hard it is for some to do that based on societal terms that people have created. Yeah. And in in my eyes, everyone is to do what they want to do and to feel the way they want and to talk the way they want. And I don't have any judgment for anyone, but I love to see when men do show emotion. Yeah. That's something I do look for. I think there's a fine balance here. And this is what I want to, a question I want to ask you is, you know, as a man showing your emotions and remaining manly, manly and strong versus showing your emotions and weakening yourself in the presence of other people. That is a fine line. And the fine line that exists there in my experience is if you show your emotions in a way that weakens you, you can get walked all over. Because you have to own what you feel, Mm. which is terrifying. Yeah, yeah, 100%. -hmm. And I think it's toughest for men in the presence of women, more so than men. I find it tougher for me to share my emotions with men, but I, but I see that it is tougher for me to share my emotion and know how to share it properly in the presence of women without diminishing myself. Yeah. You know, because I've felt it in the past where women have, I mean, I, all of high school, which we'll get to, mm-hmm. I was walked all over. And yeah. college by, with my girlfriend at times, I felt like I was walked all over because I was diminishing my worth. So where is that balance? And how does that look from a woman's perspective when a man is either weakening himself or he's showing his emotion in a powerful way? Do you want me to talk from experience? I'd love for you to talk from experience, yeah. Well, it's always going to go back to this one person. <laughs> but um, Great. at first in a relationship, this person was very in tune with their emotions. And I think it was because they were very comfortable mm. in doing that, but they didn't know how to have confidence when sharing emotions. They just thought like they're so weak. And there was a point in that relationship where it wasn't that I chose to walk all over them, but it just kind of happened naturally Mm -hmm. because they didn't put up that barrier. It just was how the dynamic was. And being self-aware showed that person like, you can be in tune with your emotions, but own up to your emotions and say, I won't take this, Mm. I won't take this, and I won't take this. Mm. And that changes the dynamic in relationships because you guys are equals. Yeah. And someone should be able to share their feelings and not feel that they're above or below anybody. Yeah. And I think that that's very important for people to learn because, but I feel like also at first when people are showing their emotions, it's only natural to let your guard down and get walked all over because that's the only way you're going to learn. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Excuse the helicopter. (laughs) Yeah. 
I love this conversation and, yeah. I, and I'm fascinated by this topic from your perspective, having experienced that. And I think this is so valuable to every man and woman, but in this case, every man watching this conversation. Um, because I think that is the struggle. Yeah. The struggle is that so many men want to share. And the fear is that by sharing, they weaken themselves to a point where they do get walked all over. And the majority of men are struggling to find this like healthy gap. Right. And when you can't find the healthy gap, you hide behind alcohol, porn, drugs, cheating. And you do all of these things as a replacement for sharing and talking and owning your truth. I think it's important to realize that sharing shows strength, especially when you can do it and be so sure of yourself. Sharing, for example, if they say, this really bothered me, Mm. but you let someone say, there's no way that that could have bothered you. Um, Your feelings are invalid. It's being able to say that bothered me and I need you to understand that. And if you mm. don't understand that, that that's a longer conversation and I won't tolerate it. Yeah. It's just the way you respond because you control whether you agree with yourself mm. and what you're thinking versus when you don't. Wow. I love that. Yeah, that makes sense. I love that. No, that made 100% sense. It's the energy that you put into sharing, yeah. how sure you are. I think that is the, the dynamic that most men miss. They share and they talk. And when they share and they talk, there's a piece of their mind that's telling them I shouldn't be doing this. But that goes back to self-love and self-care because when you start showing yourself love and you start taking care of yourself, you want to treat yourself better and and you become more in tune with your thoughts and you say, well, I'm not going to take this from someone because this is how I feel. So everything goes kind of hand in hand. You have to show yourself love in order to receive it. Mm. Wisdom. Wisdom. I want to transition, not transition, stay on the same topic of men, but point it to you. You said before, you said, I don't like talking about boys. Why? Um, because I feel that I haven't experienced the right type of relationship with a boy that I feel confident in talking about. I feel like I've only mm. experienced the learning part mm. and not the good parts. Mm. Don't you and always so, experience the learning part until you eventually yeah. get the good part? So I just, some, and sometimes I feel like talking about it or talking about boys makes me seem less, I don't even know what the word is. It's it, I don't know how to put it into words, but yeah. I just feel like, it makes me think like, oh, you talk about boys. But then I look at a perspective and everyone's like, but isn't that what you should be doing? Like you are a girl, like why aren't you sharing that mm. stuff? And so I think that that's kind of like a, you have to grow <laughs> into that to be able to be like, that's so normal. Yeah. Every person's going to talk about boys. Wow. So. I love to hear that you are thinking that. Yeah. Because me on the man's side, for a long time, and I think a lot of men listening to this right now are thinking exactly that. How can I talk about girls? And we're suppressing the natural desire as a man to 
be into women. Yeah. <laughs> right. The natural tendencies that we have in our human biology. And I definitely went through that phase. Yeah. And you were going to say something there and I want to touch on it, which is I feel like, and then you lost the word for it. You said, you know, it makes me feel like for me, two years ago, a year ago, only really until about 12 months ago, I went through a phase, a phase of 24 months where I did exactly that. And it was, I didn't want to feel like my priorities weren't straight. That's exactly what I was trying to say. I felt like it made me seem weaker or that I didn't have my priorities in order, but that's not the case because that's a part of life. Mm. And also being in a relationship with someone else is something that's beautiful and that can add a lot to your life. But society has said, if you're at a specific age and you talk about it too much, then your priorities are off. Yeah. Even if you're very successful, yeah. it's still wrong. I think you and I being young people in the world, we've come out of a society and a people who all they talk about from my side is women and from your side, I'm sure is men, yeah. right? Boys and girls. And <laughs> there's a feeling as you evolve as to like, I felt this for a long time, like, oh, I'm more mature than that. You know, yeah. I don't talk about girls in my yeah. life, you know, but there was a piece deep down inside of me that was like, that's a natural craving, yeah. you know? Um, so I don't know how you feel in that perspective. I completely agree. I think that I think the term that people use nowadays is for girls is, oh my gosh, you're so boy crazy. Mm. You could be talking about one boy for five minutes and they would say <laughs> you're boy crazy. Yeah. When in all honesty, that's not true. Yeah. That's just a natural thing that happens. Society's terms that they made up. Yeah. So what's your advice? To stop letting the voices and opinions of others control you and your life. You'll never live a happy peaceful life if you base it off of every single person in the world except yourself. That was me for a long time. Me still in many ways. Yeah. Um, All of us. I don't think it goes away. Yeah. Would you say you're past that phase or are you sitting in that phase now? I think that my biggest thing I'm doing right now is trying to hold myself at a place where I let my thoughts come and agree with them and say, I am me and I'm not going to let other people control me, but it's also easier said than done. And, um, I think that it's a work in progress for everyone. So I'm definitely in it. It doesn't come that easy, but you have to work towards it. What are you working towards when you say working towards it? What are you working towards? Like, what is the, we always say this, right? Like I'm working towards something, right? In this concept, what are you, what are you working towards? What is the goal? The goal is to be so sure of myself that one singular person who doesn't know me won't have control over what I do or the way I feel. Because mm. the biggest thing for me is, especially having any type of presence makes you want to kind of give so much to people to be accepted because you're kind of an outlier. 
if that makes sense. And for me, I just wanted to, in a way, fit in with everybody. And I just am working towards being myself Mm. and not letting other people control me and not letting other people's opinions control the way I feel because I was so reactive. You know, someone could say one thing to me and my whole day would turn upside down. So it's, that's what I'm working towards Mm. and it's very hard, but you have to. What's the hardest part about it? Being lonely. Mm. Because when you stop caring about what other people think, they're kind of not there anymore because when you care what people think, you know, you still have a tight knit relationship with them because they got kind of got a hold on you. Mm. And when you kind of let that go, you only have yourself mm. because you're not worried about that other person's thoughts. You kind of just block it out. Yeah. So again, it's feeling uncomfortable. How important is being willing to feel uncomfortable, but also being honest with not only yourself, but with others about where you're at in relation to them? If you're not honest, you're always going to be miserable. As I said before, I wasn't speaking my truth to those friends that I had. And I was going based off what I thought that they wanted. Mm. And it's uncomfortable. And once you stop doing that, you're going to be uncomfortable. But again, in life, if you don't feel uncomfortable, you're stuck. Yeah. And you have to go through being uncomfortable in order to get unstuck. So. What we're seeing Obviously, success leaves clues, right? And in every area of this conversation, it's almost like whenever you go internal, you win the game. And whenever your focus is external, comparison online, what are my friends thinking? What am I going to do now? Yeah. What about this guy? How are they seeing my vulnerability and my emotional outpour you lose the game yeah that's a tough thing to do though is to stay inside and to let the internal breathe life into the external and there's so many things that shift when that happens you said their attractiveness which i've come to believe as well is confidence in many ways right help these guys out here (laughs) help these guys out in the respect of I'm trying to phrase this in the right way. <laughs> I, could, I could ask this question so many different ways. Um, help these guys out in the respect of faking confidence to be someone versus knowing who you are. How obvious is that difference? It's very obvious. You can see it, especially in the long run. Um, Nothing good will ever come out of not being true to yourself. Mm. It'll always end up bad. And firsthand experience, I saw that because even when you're trying to put on a face of being confident and show someone that, you know, you're strong and all this, they're going to see through it in other ways. Yeah. And then you're going to come across yeah. 10 times more yeah. than you would have before. So what do you have to say to this then? Like 
I went to the University of Portland and we didn't have fraternities. We didn't have anything like that, right? But from what I've seen in frats, right? When you go out as a group of guys, you become somebody, yeah. right? The stereotype and the typical narrative is by becoming somebody, you get the girl, right? What are women thinking on the other side of these frat guys, realistically, honestly? I would never associate. Personally, um, I'm a firm believer of you are who you hang out with. Mm. And those you hang out with are a reflection of you, whether you're like them or not. And to me, I really try to not judge people based on stereotypes being like they're in a frat, so they're going to cheat and they're going to drink too much and do drugs. But for the most part, that is what happens Mm. because you're surrounded by that every day and Mm. you fall victim to that. Mm. Do you know why they fall victim to that? I think pressure. Mm. I think, especially in frats from what I've heard, I mean, if you don't, you're an outlier Mm. and then you're going to get bullied Mm. and then you're not going to fit in. Mm. And I think that that's also hard for men because even if you don't want to do that and be that person, you're kind of forced to turn Mm. into that. Yeah. Um, I think we also have these, we have these natural emotions that are present inside of us, right? We have all of them, anger, sadness, frustration, truth. And when you sink further and further and further away from yourself to try and be somebody else, the internal frustration and the anger that exists inside of you that gets suppressed here, uh, you not showing up uniquely and authentically as yourself eventually builds up and builds up and builds up and builds up. And that anger gets let out through alcohol. That anger gets let out through fights, violence, right? That anger gets let out in the form of abuse, right? And that's the scariest thing. Yeah. I think all of these guys don't mean to do it. Mm -mm. They're just so, and it's such a weird thing to say, but they're just so fucking scared. Yeah. They're so scared. Obviously not being in a sorority, right? But coming from the perspective of a woman, do women have those fears as well? of being someone? Yes. Um, One thing I like to think about all the time is that everyone has a fear that they're not good enough. And whenever I look at someone, I think that because no matter what you think, everyone is fearing something and is scared of something. Mm. And to me, I think that it's life. And there are some people who don't have to go through that because they choose another path. Mm. And then those that do have to go through a lot more pain in order to get out of it. Mm. But at the end of the day, the person that is in that scenario scared of a lot 
is just the same as someone who went down another path but is scared about things in a different area, if that makes sense. Everyone's going to deal with that type of pain, but it's just the areas of where, for example, if you're in a frat and you're getting into fights and doing drugs, it's a little bit worse than someone dealing with it outside of that. Mm. But it doesn't mean that you're both not scared. It's just the paths you go down. Yeah. So how, because I know you have personal experience in this, when the world is trying to point you in one direction, how do you remain authentically, courageously yourself? Because I want to look in the mirror and to be very proud. Mm. Not look in the mirror and say, I don't know who this person is. Because going back to self-love, looking in the mirror, you're going to point out your imperfections and it's not only external, it's also internal. It's what you feel will show through on the outside. Yeah. So I want to look in the mirror and love what I feel and say I stay true to my values and what I want. And that's what would make me proud. Mm. So. Have you always looked in the mirror and felt that? No, absolutely not. I spent lots of years looking in the mirror, wishing I could change every single thing. And... Um, I think it's a phase of life, not to point out anything, but I look at my little sister sometimes and I see, I see that. And, you know, as an older sister, you can try to tell her, love yourself and work on yourself. But again, it's a phase of life that everyone's going to go through. How old your sister? She is 17. Mm. So she's in like her prime time. I have a brother who's 17 as well. I think it's funny how I can look at him now and I'm like, that was me. Yeah. That was me. And I want to, in many ways, just... You want to tell them what you wish you heard. Yeah, I want to shake him. But like you said with your mom, it's like when you're in that emotional state, it's like you can't, they almost have to just live it and go through it. Yeah. It's sad. Crazy. Is So you just have one sister? I have a younger sister and then my brother is 15. Hmm. Who do you get along with? Both of them. We... Me and my sister are like best friends. Yeah. Like we're so close. And then me and my brother, he's in his hormonal teenage years. Mm -hmm. So he's kind of like, I hate everyone. Leave me alone. (laughs) I want to go to the movies with a girl. But um, Really? At least he's owning that. I have a brother who's 14 and he doesn't own any of that. So, Well, he doesn't like to tell us. Mm. I mean, my sister dropped him off at a movie with this one girl before. Really? And I was like trying to stalk her. I was (laughs) like, she's good for you. I was like, I need to meet her and talk to her. But... um. (laughs) <laughs> we're very close. Again, family's important. As the older sister, I feel like I it's my place mm. to bring us all together. But, you know, they're both in high school. My brother is literally like wants nothing to do with anyone. Yeah. Because he's like, what, 15? It's all about school and yeah. girls and stuff. Girls, but yeah. he'll grow. How comfortable were you or are you, I guess, uh, in sharing everything with your family? I mean, since I was younger, I always would share it. That's just how we were brought up. That's how close we are. We're so open with each other because even though we may look at each other and say, you're wrong for this, or I disagree with you, we still know that we're supported by them and they would never diminish us outside Mm -hmm. of that family knit circle. And I think that that's really important because it gives me the space to be able to look at them and say, I can tell you everything about how I feel at my absolute lowest and you're still going to be there. 
But also it's hard to accept people telling you you're wrong and this is wrong. Especially for me, as I said before, I was very defensive. Yeah. But and we're often the most defensive with those who are closest to us. Oh, 100%. I could go out and apologize to someone that um, I barely knew mm. and not be defensive. But if it was my family, I would be so defensive. <laughs> but that's the thing with your family, you know? It's weird how all like all knowledge. I, I, I was saying to this some this to somebody yesterday. If my clients saw how I interacted with my family sometimes, nobody would want to be involved with me. Yeah. You know, because the it's like the my ego is just like yeah. pulsating at times in that in that environment. I don't know whether it's because I see myself in them, you know, and we're so similar that we butt heads or whether I just feel too comfortable. Yeah. Or maybe it's because I care so much about what they think. 100%. I was just going to say it's because you want them to perceive you a certain way. And when you make a mistake in front of them, you feel like you disappointed them. Mm. And I think that that can play a very big factor in being defensive because you want to prove that you're not that. But you have to realize that that's what they're there for. Mm. And that doesn't mean that you don't treat your family with respect. I mean, that's like every family. It's just, you know, I feel it too. If I ever disappoint them, I like lock myself in my room and I'm like, I'm so embarrassed. I'm so sorry. But um, your family's always going to be there for you. And once you learn to be so vulnerable with them in making mistakes, you realize that they're not there to hurt you just to make you better. I love it. I love it. Before we close this out, and this has been incredible. I've loved it. Um, If you could give one message to every guy listening to this between the ages of 18 and 25 years old. And this is some pressure. <laughs> so you can take a breath. If I you have want a book actually. Can I go grab it? There's like yeah, 500 things there's, in it that yeah, I would like to say. Yeah, And you'll probably still not hit the nail on the head because they need more than 500 things. But what would you share? I could say something to them, I would say, look at a woman as you would look at your mom or mm-hmm. your sister. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes I feel like men at those ages look at women as just the girlfriend that keeps me company yeah. or just this or just that. And as girls, we look at you as companions and we look at you as you kind of turn into our family and someone we think of in that way. And so when men look at women, I, I want them to look at them as not someone who's just like a toy or yeah. against them or something. It's like people with hearts who are opening their heart to you. So open yeah. it to them. And if you can, then please don't, Yeah. <laughs> you know, Yeah. even though it's harder than said, I mean, everyone needs to experience. Yeah a bad relationship or heartbreak at some point, but Can it's you just- Can touch on that piece? You said, you know, cause women look at men with compassion, like a, like family. I think I'd love to get an understanding as to that more in depth, like from a women, woman's perspective, I think men do certain things because they think that women are looking at them a certain way. Mm-hmm. And I want to know. I don't know if I could speak on this for every girl, but for me, I look at my parents' relationship 
And when I am talking to a guy or looking at a guy, I'm very picky again, as I said, (laughs) but when you let someone in, you let them in 100%. And I feel like with men, when they let a woman in, it starts with 10%. 25 and it builds up. But with women, it starts at a hundred and then they get disappointed and then it goes down. So it's like like you're clashing and you're opposite. So that's why I think when people meet each other at a specific age and they're on the same level of understanding that they don't clash. But it's just knowing that when women are letting you in, they're not playing games and they're not expecting to be hurt and they don't want to toy with you. Mm. But when you treat them like that. And we're very smart and we know everything. Yeah. We're going to start going the opposite way and you're going to start going upwards. And that's how relationships end. (laughs) Brother, stop taking the perspective of how men are showing up to you into your relationship with women. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. You don't have to hold your guard up. You don't have to go in half-assed in case you get walked all over. You don't have to pretend you don't care. Meet them where they're meeting you. Stop pretending you don't care. Mm. Please. It's mm. so unattractive. It's so unattractive. Mm. I think we'll close it out with that. Oh, we're going to run. Yeah. <laughs> I think we'll close it out with that. Yeah. Georgie, thank you so much for today. Um, before we close it out, what have you got going on that you want to share with people? In terms of work or life? Both. Anything you'd like to share? <sighs> well, I would like to share with people who are working um, I am at a place in my life right now where I have gotten lots of opportunities, everything I put out into the world. And it was because I experienced loneliness and discomfort. Mm. So to everyone who is on edge about, should I leave these toxic people or should I do this for myself? Do it and Mm. be uncomfortable because it's so much better off. And um, never give up on what you want to do. Because if I had given up two years ago, I don't know what I would be doing. You'd be going into the corporate world, eh? Yes, I'd be going into corporate, which Mm. I don't think I could handle. (laughs) Me and you both. Head over to billygartonjr.com. Scroll down to the section that reads, are you looking for a place to figure it all out? Click on the button that reads count me in, fill out the information and a member of my team will be sure to reach out to get you involved in the You Choose Brotherhood. Boy, will this brotherhood change your life. Community and connection meets courageous conversation. Monthly mastermind calls, bi-monthly brotherhood check-ins, mini courses and answers to some of your life's greatest questions. We have it all in here. Head over to billygartonjr.com. Scroll down to the section that reads, are you looking for a place to figure it all out? Click on the button that reads, count me in, fill out the information. And a member of my team will be sure to reach out. Super excited to see you there. Where can people find you? I know you have mass amounts of followers across Instagram and especially TikTok. But Instagram and TikTok. Yeah. Okay. And what's the at handle that people Georgie Cabersi. Georgie Just Cabersi. my name. Beautiful. You have a company as well, right? Yes. What is that? It's... Um, well, it's just called Georgie, but the website is I am Georgie. Mm. I had to do it like that because Georgie was taken. Mm. I don't know why someone took that. I'm not <laughs> sure, but um, it's I am Georgie. I am Georgie. Beautiful. Georgie, thank you so much. Thank you for having here. me. Yeah. Everybody else, you know what to do by now. If you haven't subscribed, hit the subscribe button and please, 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 please leave a review. 
when I began this podcast two years ago, I never in my wildest dreams would have thought we'd have gone to this place. We're getting some unbelievable guests, some incredible listeners and um, just some really cool things are coming out of this. So I appreciate you. I really, really do. I appreciate you being here. And as I always share at the end of every podcast, as much as we touched on so many different things today, at the end of the day, it always comes back to you choose and consistently choosing you over and over and over again is going to lead to the life of abundance and for the man listening, the man you aspire to be. So subscribe. And if you don't, go and follow me at Billy Garton Jr. across all platforms. Send me a DM if you got value out of this and I would be more than happy to have a conversation and hear your story. See you guys next week. <laughs>